morning, I want to I want to get some feedback. Sometimes it happens quickly. So many different moving parts to try to keep uh, keep in place. This morning, I want to talk to you about prayer. How does that make you feel? Now, for some of you, you're like, yeah, talk about prayer, please. And for some of us, when we hear that, we think, okay, I know, I know that matters. I know it's really important, and I'm already feeling guilty. I'm already imagining myself trying to do more of what I know I should do, spending more time in prayer, being more disciplined, doing more of the hard work that it takes to keep focusing when my mind keeps wandering somewhere else, uh, making a sacrifice to spend time focusing on asking God, talking to God about things when uh, all my inclinations keep pulling me to want to do something to really be part of life. Instead, I know I know that I need to take time to pray. I, I wonder if that sort of reflex is normal for you, that when you hear the call to pray, the main thing that you hear, even though you know it's right, you know it's true, the main thing that you hear is a cost. I hope, I hope that as we look at the text this morning and think about what it's really after, that begins to be transformed for all of us. For those of you for whom it has already begun to become transformed, I hope it's an encouragement to you. And you can continue to be a model for us of what it means to really pray. When I say really pray, I don't mean um, being more disciplined necessarily. I don't mean being more sincere necessarily or more fervent necessarily. I certainly don't mean sort of gritting your teeth harder and ex extending more physical effort to pray. It means something different than all that. Um, first, let's just look at the text that we have this morning. In Ephesians, there are a lot of long sentences because there are a lot of glorious things to describe and small sentences don't contain them well enough. And so we're really starting this morning in the middle of a sentence, and I'm going to start with the phrase that I think begins the thought. The phrase begins in verse 14, stand therefore. Here's this new humanity that God has created, this new group of people, and as a group, this new person in Jesus, the church, that God has created in Christ, and he says, you're under attack. You're under attack by spiritual powers, and so I want you to stand in what God has provided for you. So last week we looked at what that spiritual armor is that God has provided. And now he continues that thought, and he says, Stand, therefore, praying. Stand, praying. Now I'll ask you, as is our normal habit, as you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? This is Ephesians 6 starting in verse 18, and I'm going to preface with the first couple words of verse 14. Stand, therefore, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. 
You may be seated. <clears throat> Stand praying. I'm going to give us an opportunity at the end of the service to, to practice this right off. This is something that we'll spend the rest of our lives practicing, but it, it would seem inappropriate to me to talk about praying and then have us leave without having an opportunity to really practice that in a more extended form. I'm going to ask you to practice it in a way that might not feel normal to you, especially the part that I ask you to practice silently. I'm not going to ask you to jump right into doing something awkwardly that's also out loud. But I'm going to ask you to pray in a way that you might not be used to praying, in a way that I'm not used to praying, in a way that I'm still learning to pray, and in a way that honestly I think is just more real praying. <clears throat> I, I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask us to pray silently in some of those ways, and I'm also going to give us an opportunity to pray out loud, especially for each other. And we'll see in the passage that we move from praying for ourselves, praying on our own, coming to the Lord, bringing all of our concerns before the Lord, and then that extending to prayer for others as well. And in both cases, I want us to learn and practice how to do that in a way that is more real. Again, by real, I don't mean more sincere. I don't mean trying harder. I mean something that really engages all of who we really are, something that meets us where we are. Before I get into what I mean by that, I just want to look at a, a few things that are pointed out in verse 18. What's going on when we pray? A few things that we need to keep in mind. First, Paul says, I want you to stand praying at all times. Praying always. We'll kind of see the straight A's of prayer in verse 18. Praying always. And again, this can, this can turn into guilt really quickly, and we can start to think, I, okay, that means I really need to spend more time praying. I need to do this more often. That may very well be true. The fact is that when we devote time to prayer, and when we devote time to really praying, then it helps us to pray throughout the day as well. In other words, what it helps us to do is to live and to think and to communicate as if we are always in the presence of our Father, as if, which we really are. And when we do those devotions, maybe that's what you call it, when we take time and we devote it to focusing on the fact that we really are in the presence of our Father, really talking to Him, that helps us more and more throughout the day to pray a little bit more like breathing, to pray like you would if you, were in, if, if you were with a friend who were always available to listen to you, as if you were, remembering that you are not only a friend, but your father, your father who is more accessible to you than I have ever managed to be to my kids, more accessible to you than your father ever managed to be to you. Uh, maybe you had a father who wasn't accessible at all, and so it's really hard to feel open with your heavenly father. He's different. He's not like your inaccessible father was, if that was your experience. Even if you had a father who uh, was consistently ready to welcome you, 
always ready to listen to you. He did that imperfectly also. If he did it a little bit, then he was a picture of what your heavenly father is like. You have access. That's really the second A. We, we learn to pray always. We learn to pray almost like breathing, remembering that our father is with us, communicating with him, having our, our thoughts translate into communicating with our father because we have access and because we practice it. I think that's a large part of what is meant when we're told to pray at all times in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, it probably means a lot of things. We probably will never finish plumbing the depths of what that means. But we have been given at least one hint about what it does mean. That's in chapter 2, verse 18. We're told that Jesus came and preached peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near so that we're all reconciled to God, so that we all now have access to him. This is chapter 2, verse 18. For through him, that is through Jesus, we both, both groups who have been reconciled, have access in one spirit to the Father. So here we are. God has reconciled us to himself through his son, and by doing that has given us the gift of his own spirit. Perhaps a a, a picture of this would be if you have a father that you think a lot like, and you're able to come to your father and have really great enriching discussions about life because you both share the same values. Maybe you can even come to your father and say, you know what, I'm trying to work on this this." Uh, this way of serving people. I'm trying to work on this project in my life, and I could really use your help. And your father says, you're, you're my child, aren't you? And I want to help you. That's what's going on here also. We have access in one spirit to the Father, this spirit who is the guarantee that we receive everything that belongs to the family. He's the guarantee of our inheritance. He guarantees that because... He bears witness that we are children of the Father. This is Romans 8.15. We'll start in in verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. God's own spirit here to bear witness that we belong to the Father, that we share his heart, that we're learning to share his values. So we come to him as part of the family. We have access. We have access to him for our our own needs, and we have access to him for the needs of others. As those who are partakers of his spirit, we have been called not only into the family, but into the family work, into the family business. That's part of what we're doing when we pray. We'll see that as well. Praying always, praying because we have access. And when we pray, what is it that we're doing? Well, if I try to package that all up into one thing, then I'm probably going to ruin prayer. But I can tell you one thing from this passage that we're definitely doing, and he describes that in verse 18 as well. 
praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. That's a big, long word. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about asking. We're talking about asking God for things. I think that especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, then you might be prone, when you ask God for things, you might be prone to skip steps and to jump right to the kinds of things that you think God would want you to ask for. And as a result, you end up not really asking. I want to explore that a little bit. What does it mean to really ask God for things? What does it mean to ask him for what we want? Uh, I read an article recently by a, a guy named Michael Gambola that, for me, just struck like lightning over and over and over again. It was very helpful, and he says some things that I think will be helpful to all of us. Uh, he, he says, you can so quickly accept a posture of surrender in prayer that you don't experience yourself as having wants and hurts. In other words, you, you, you can come to God and try to ask for all the right things and skip asking for everything that's actually on your heart. The things that are painful to you, the things that you can't help but want, Maybe you try to stop wanting them while you pray and set those aside in order to ask for the things you really ought to ask for. Michael Gambola is, is drawing heavily on a guy named Paul Miller. Does that name sound familiar? Paul Miller has written a book called A Praying Life. I'm about two-thirds of the way through that book. Again, lightning strikes. Very, very helpful. The best books, I think, uh, expose us to the things that are hidden in plain sight. And that's one of the things that Paul Miller does in his book, A Praying Life. He, he doesn't push us into this place of prayer that's way out there. He brings prayer near to us where it ought to be, where it ought to start. And here's what, here's what Paul Miller says. He says, when we stop being ourselves with God, we are no longer in real conversation with God. We're pretending to be someone else pretending to be someone who's asking for all the right things and setting aside all the things that are going on inside of us. When I do it that way, I'm not really asking. I'm reciting. I'm, I'm using a list of things that I know I ought to be asking for and, and, and listing those things off to God. And you know what? Maybe you're, maybe you're there with me. Maybe that's been part of your experience. And I wouldn't want to judge our sincerity in doing that. We really are... We really are seeking the Lord. We really are trying to ask for what's best. And God is so gracious to answer. And yet there is more for us here. There's more for us in our relationship with him. More for us beyond reciting what we know we ought to ask for to really asking what expresses our hearts. Let me, let me just describe how this flow can work for me. I come to the Lord. I'm praying. Uh, I, I start asking for things, and so the, I could even imagine the Lord saying, what do you want me to do for you? And the thing that might come most readily is, uh, I want you to be glorified. Because that's what I ought to ask for, right? 
That's what really matters. You can perhaps imagine the Lord saying, that's a really good thing to want. And you're going to be a lot happier about what that means than you realize. Talk to me more. How do you want me to be glorified? Be more specific. Okay, well, how do I want the Lord to be glorified? Well, I have a lot of pride in my life. A lot of pride. And I know that pride is getting in the way of you being glorified in my life. Are you seeing the labels so far? The Christian labels. These are real things, but they're pretty general so far. I I have a lot of pride in my life, and I want you to get rid of the pride in my life so that you can be glorified in me. Well, pride is a dangerous thing, isn't it? Um, It's also something we're not going to be done with until we're dead. And so, unless the Lord intends to kill me today, he intends for the removal of pride to be part of a process. So he would say, tell me more. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to deal with pride today? What's on your heart? What are you facing? Okay, well, um, I, where, where is pride maybe going to be an issue today? Well, maybe today I have a gathering of other pastors that I'm going to be a part of. Maybe you have a gathering of other moms or a meeting at work. Choose your own adventure here. Follow me through this. I have, a say, a gathering of pastors today. And I know that I really want them to think highly of me. I know that you wouldn't think that pastors getting together would actually feel like that, but that's the way that it works. And there are all kinds of temptations that come along with this. So here I am getting a little bit closer to what's actually on my heart today. And I might think, okay, well, Lord, I really want these other pastors to think highly of me today. He says, ask me for what's on your mind. And it's at that point that I'm really prone to jump back over to labels. And I realize, oh boy, that's pride, Lord. Please take pride away from me. Or maybe, maybe I'll miss that and think, okay, Lord, um, I, I really want to look good, so please... Help me to look good today. Or please help me, help me not to make a fool out of myself with these other pastors. Or with these other moms or with these people at work. And the call is, tell me more. Talk to me more about what's on your heart. Talk to me more about what really matters to you right now. Get specific. Don't skip steps. And I find in my heart, it's always tempting to go back to generalities, to go back to labels, and not talk to him like I would talk to a friend that I knew I could trust. Just pause that there for a minute. I hope, I hope that each one of you has had the experience, humanly speaking, of a friend that you could be yourself with. A friend that you could talk to about what's going on in life and what's going on in yourself without feeling the need to pre-explain yourself. Without feeling the need to say, without feeling the need to qualify what you're about to express before you express what's going on inside yourself. Without feeling the need to think, oh boy, if I tell somebody what's, what's happening in me, they're going to misunderstand very quickly. And this is going to go the wrong direction. I hope that you've had the experience of a friend that you could just be yourself with. No explaining, no fear of judging, uh, 
I doubt any of us has had a perfect experience of that, but I hope you've had some experience of it. I imagine that you've had some longing for it. Could be that that longing has been disappointed so many times that you've adjusted your praying according to that disappointment to the point where when you come to the Lord, you feel the constant need to pre-explain everything that you're going to say or to make sure that you're always polite or to make sure that you never ask for anything that he would find disappointing or that he would judge you for. Here's what Michael Gambola says. To have a real relationship with God is to relate to him as you really are, not as you wish to be or hope to be or even how he has commanded you to be, at least not yet. I'm going to read that one more time. It's a lot of things at once. To have a real relationship with God is to relate to him as you really are, not as you wish to be or hope to be, or even how he has commanded you to be, at least not yet. He goes on to say this. If one aspect, one part of what it means to pray is to verbalize a want. We have all these things we want in us. We just can't escape it. Sometimes we try to pretend that we are when we're praying, but they're still there. If one aspect of what it means to pray is to verbalize a want, then praying requires a willingness to want things and to voice a request. For some of us, that willingness to want things or to admit that we do is really, really hard. For others of us, uh, we think, well, of course I want these things. Why wouldn't I? They're good and I want them. And in both cases, we have a tendency not to actually bring them into the light of the presence of our Father. But when I do, when I'm facing perhaps a a meeting of other pastors, and I think, oh, boy, um, they're going to be talking about what's going on in their ministry, and I'm going to be talking about what's going on in mine, and we're going to see who's really successful and who's not. What do I want? Frankly, I know what I want. I want a lot of different things. Um, I want to be affirmed. And so, if that's a want that's inside of me, what does that look like when I actually pray about it? Well, I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, I'm going to this meeting of pastors and I want to be affirmed. And I might feel a little bit afraid to even say that. He says, I know. I know you do. I saw that there already, and now you've brought that into my presence. You want other things too. What are they? Well, I also want to be encouraged. Sometimes I wonder if I'm going nuts. I have a lot of judgment calls to make, a lot of different things to do, and I wonder if I'm just if I'm if I'm totally off my rocker in the things that I'm trying to do. And it would really be helpful to be steadied by other guys saying, "No, you're you're not going crazy. Keep going. You're doing what you need to be doing." Um I want people to hear what I have to say and to think you have some important things to say. Now, that's a scary thing to bring into the light, isn't it? Because it just it feels so, so, so prideful in an unfiltered way, and in some ways it is, and I've been trying to filter it, and that doesn't help. And yet, at the same time, I also have some things to say. I hope we're going to get together and we're going to talk to each other, and we have some good things to say to each other, and actually, 
Maybe I need to be a part of that. I want to have an impact on my pastor friends. And what I begin to realize is I bring all of these desires into the light of God's presence is that the gentlest place for the big things to be dealt with is in the presence of my Father. I could say, Lord, get rid of my pride and then run off and do whatever it is that I'm hoping to do. And at that point, the Lord is still gracious to work on pride and I'm not in the place for that pride to be melted gently away. I'm in a place where it may require a more blunt instrument, where it may require more crushing because I haven't stayed in the place where it can be done gently. When I bring all of my desires and I voice them to the Lord and I start to say, Lord, I, as I am right now, not pretending to be anybody else, I really want these pastors to think that I'm pretty cool. All of a sudden, I'm in a place where that silly desire can begin to melt away. And instead of thinking, oh, I can't want that, I have to try to push that away, which I can't do, I begin to realize, no, I don't. I did, but I don't anymore. That I know that even if all those pastors go away thinking, wow, he said something so profound that I never heard before, it's not going to satisfy me. It's not ultimately really going to help them. You know what? That's not what I want anymore. I want better things than that. Lord, I do want to have an impact. I want to help people by what I say. I do want to be encouraged. I want that to happen in conversation with people. Lord, as, as I go to meet with these other guys, would you make this a really helpful time for all of us? Would you help all of us to be able to walk away thinking, my brother helped me. My brother steadied me. You, you gave me what I needed through my friends. And you gave them what they needed through me. Would you do this for me? The more specifically I pray for those kinds of things, guess what I have the opportunity to do? the more specifically I have an opportunity to see him answer. If all I pray is, Lord, be glorified in this meeting, it's pretty hard for me to know even what I'm looking for. But if I pray, Lord, you've taught me some things recently, would you give me a chance to share this in a timely way with somebody who's in the same place that I am who could really use it? And then I see him do it, I've seen him work. I've seen him work in ways that are specific. I've seen him work work in ways that draw me into nearer relationship with him. <clears throat> when we pray, we want to really pray by really being who we are right now, not trying to skip steps to being someone else that we hope to be someday, but starting here. And guess what that does? That creates the next steps, not by being a really good person, prayer, but by walking in active relationship with our Father, by the access that the Spirit gives us. I want to speak to one other, one other piece of this challenge of asking and asking really. When you pray, if you are anything like me, one of the challenges that you face is something like spiritual ADD, right? 
You're trying to pray for the things that really matter, and all of a sudden your mind is wandering off to the soccer field or somewhere else. For me, the soccer field is a natural one. Soccer is a beautiful game. I love this game. I, I've been helping to coach uh, Owen's soccer team, and it's, it was more fun than I've had in a long time. And it's easy for my wandering mind to wander over there. And it's also easy for me to think, oh, nope, I can't be going there. I need to be praying. And I need to remember that I need to be praying. Where am I right now? I'm on the soccer field. So I need to be on the soccer field with my father. And it could be that I've been doing that as something that I didn't think was spiritual at all. And instead, I need to be bringing my father into that very significant corner of my heart. It's saying, Father, thank you for soccer, for, for allowing this beautiful game to be part of our experience. Thank you for allowing me to have some participation in this. Lord, you have actually given me some kind of in with the players on this team. I'm not exactly sure how to use that, but I really want to. Would you help me to know how to use this in of a game of soccer and helping people, hopefully with my ignorance, learn how to play it, would you, would you help me to redeem that? And to use that really well, not only to help people advance in their soccer skills, but there's so much about life that's reflected here, so much about life that we can learn even on the soccer field, about trusting you in life. Would you help me to redeem this opportunity to help people trust Christ, to help, to help Will trust Christ more in his senior year. Help me to be attentive to what maybe is bothering him, uh, not only in soccer, but in life. Help me to see so that I can point him to Christ, maybe so that I can pray for him. All of a sudden, I'm really asking. I'm really praying. And do you hear how that flows? It, it's no longer hard to try to think about what to pray about. Because I'm always thinking about stuff. And the point is to bring that into the presence of my Father. To do that more and more in devoted ways so that I do that more and more in reflexive ways. Now you've seen already what I start to do when I start to pray more honestly about what's going on inside of me. You hear what started to flow out? I started to pray for will. That's what's next. <clears throat> Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Remember, you're part of the family business. You're brought into what God is doing. He intends to do that through your prayers. He intends to work on other Christians, he intends to work in the lives of other Christians in response to what you ask him to do. How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Prayer is a mysterious thing. Uh, Paul Miller has uh, pointed out, he, he made a very good observation about the intention, especially for those of us who try to be really, really linear, to figure out why prayer works. We end up limiting it. He said, he said, trying to figure out why prayer works is like trying to figure out why a woman is beautiful. You can't explain that away. You can't package that up. 
Same thing here. This is about a relationship with our Father. What we can know is that it does because our Father does. And when we bring things to Him, He works in response to our asking. Paul actually refers to a guy who was in the middle of doing this in Colossians 4, starting in verse 12. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. He's working hard for you by asking that you would stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. And what did it look like for Epaphras to do that? Sounds like he knew these people well. Did it mean that he focused really hard for an hour a day on saying, please help them to be mature and fully assured in the will of God. Please help them to be fully assured. That's reciting. He was asking. Now, I don't have a video of Epaphras here. But what might it look like to really ask on one another's behalf? Well, Paul encourages us to be alert in prayer. So we might start with what we're actually alert to. We might start with what we see. Instead of trying to think, what should I be asking for? Well, would you be glorified in their life? Would you bless them? All those labels that we're used to that all actually mean something, but I don't really know what I'm asking for. And instead, I say, what do I see? What do I see in my friend? What do I see in my brother? What do I see in my sister? And I want to give us a few, hopefully, points of, of guidance that we can keep in mind as we work to pray for one another. <clears throat> Don't be satisfied with generalities. Pray as specifically as you can. You're going to see a lot of things when you look at your brother and your sister. Uh, you are going to see things that you would really like to see changed. And you might think, you know, I can't pray about that stuff. I need to pray nice. But you need to be alert. And you start by being alert to what you actually see. So you might ask the question, pick somebody specifically in your mind. Anybody. You can pick anybody at random. Somebody that you know, somebody that you know is in process, and ask this question. If I could tell that person one thing, and I could be guaranteed that they would respond thoughtfully and without being offended, what would I say? I get scared away immediately the, the minute I start thinking about that. But really, what would I say if I could guarantee that this person would respond thoughtfully and without being offended? Whatever that is, that's what I need to say to the Lord. That's one way for me to pray in a way that is alert, to pray for what is really on my mind and on my heart and I can't escape and that the Lord already knows about. So it might be, Lord, this, this, person, um, this person seems really, really prideful in his ambition. And I think he just needs to get over himself. All of a sudden, I've brought what's already inside of me into the presence of the Father, and the Father would say, tell me more. What is it that you want for your brother, for your sister, for your friend? Well, I want him to get over himself. Talk to me more. 
be on the alert. Start thinking. Hmm. What has it taken for me to get over myself? All of a sudden, I have a little bit more to pray for. But I, I, he seems so prideful in his ambition. And, and that doesn't seem like a, a healthy thing for him. He's going to end up disappointed. And he's going to end up hurting other people along the way. Would, would you help him to take the energy that he has and the abilities that you've given him that, that feed this ambition and help him to use them with, with a conscious desire to really benefit other people? Would you help him to take his skills that he seems to be using so selfishly and instead consciously move away from imagining what what people are going to think about him and instead think, how can I do really good things for other people? You know what, Lord? I, I bet he's already doing that partly because you're working in him. I thank you that you are, and I thank you for the good things that you've given him to use. And I pray that today you would help him be a little bit more conscious or a lot more conscious to how to use those good things to do good things for others and would you help him to experience the joy of shifting away from wanting to prop up his own reputation in order to bless others? And all of a sudden, I've started to really pray. And frankly, I've started to really pray for things I'm glad I've prayed for. My prayers have started to reflect the kind of prayers that we find in the Bible, right? Where Paul is praying for things that he really wants for people. He's asking for progress for them. And he's also giving thanks. He's asking that they wouldn't be bound up, that they would know the love of Christ in more and more areas of their life. Uh, and, and he's also, even with the most dysfunctional of his friends, he's giving thanks. He does that for the Corinthians. They were a mess, and he starts by giving thanks. And then he goes on to tell them uh, where things need to change. But the more we bring our actual concerns, our actual desires, our actual thought processes, our actual observations into the light of the presence of our Father, the more we're actually praying, being on the alert, making supplication for all the saints. So don't be satisfied with generalities. Be conscious of the things that really catch your attention. Trade imaginary conversations for real ones. What would you tell this person? Tell God. Tell him he already hears it going on inside of you. Say it out loud to him. <clears throat> and be a part of the process. Be thinking, you know what? I want this person to be rescued from pride. But I don't want him to die today. So what might it look for him to make progress in trading in pride for trusting in Christ in his life today? I know something of his life today. What would it look like today? What do I want to see happen next in this person's life? When you start praying like that, you start to see the Lord work in alarmingly specific ways in other people's lives. So it happened recently. I have reason to see it happen more often as I learn to pray like that more on behalf of other believers. Everybody needs this. Everybody needs other believers praying for them. You might know of some believers that you think, that guy 
is exempt from trouble in the Christian life. That lady is just a good Christian. Just fine. Maybe I can pray that the Lord would keep her out of a traffic accident, but I don't need to pray so much that she would make progress in the Christian life. It kind of seems like she's arrived. Paul throws that all out by using himself. Verses 19 and 20. And pray also for me. And notice what he asks people to pray for. Pray also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Just briefly on Paul here. What does he pray for? He prays for words and he prays for boldness. Who does that... Who in the Bible do you think of when you think of somebody who has words and who has boldness? We think of Paul. Why does he need to pray for words and for boldness? Well, he does. He needs it, and he knows that he needs it. could be that Paul is, is facing uh, the opportunity, the threatening opportunity, to stand before a governor or even before Caesar, and he's saying, I know that my words could get locked up by my fear. And I want to be able to take the truth of the gospel, the truth of Christ, and to speak it with clarity and with confidence in a way that matches the person that I'm speaking to, and I don't want fear to chain that up. So would you pray for me? And it may well be, maybe someday we'll find out, that Paul stood before Caesar and was able to say, I really find it a privilege to stand before you today. And if I can, I'd like to tell you why I'm standing before you. I want to tell you about the king. Not in a way that's brash, not in a way that says, you think you're a king, but you're an idiot. But in a way that says, I want to tell you about the real king, the one who died for you. And he walks away thinking, I had so much more freedom than I ever thought that I would, and my words were unlocked. And the reason was because there was some old lady in Ephesus saying, Lord, Paul's going to be really scared when he stands before Caesar. Would you help him to remember that his real king is with him? Would you help him to remember that even if Caesar takes off his head, he's only going to be ushered into the presence of his real king? Would you take all that fear away so his words are unlocked to speak about Christ to this man that's going to make him feel really afraid if he's left to himself? Working in such a way that God worked in the life of someone else. Now, that might be imaginary, but those things happen. They happen a lot, and they can happen a lot more, and I want to encourage us to take on that opportunity. So here's what I want us to do next. I want us to pray, and I want us to start. You might have to catch yourself here, and I'm going to let you do this silently. I'm going to give us about three minutes and say, I want you to ask for the Lord, to ask the Lord for the things that you want. Whatever comes to mind, ask him for them. You can write it down if you want. Ask him for whatever it is that you want, what you want most easily. I'll give us about three minutes to do that, and then I'll give us our next thing to pray for. I'm going to do the same thing.